You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Uh. Today, our question comes from Lori. Lori wrote in and said, Hi, Michael. My father recently died very unexpectedly and quickly from a brain tumor following his brain surgery. We rejoice that he is completely healed, but I'm wondering if my father can see earthly happenings. I've received several sympathy cards that said he could. I'm still trying to understand and find truth in this. My son was married in my parents' backyard before my father died, and we're having the wedding reception this weekend. Will my father be able to see this from heaven? Well, first of all, Lori, I'm so sorry about your loss, but it seems you're clear he knew the Lord, and so praise God. Praise God. He is in a great place. I don't think he's missing anything. Number one, I think we need to reframe our view of heaven. And when we cross this earthly threshold into the heavenly eternality, the things of the world will grow strangely dim. I don't mean to sound discompassionate, but I just think believers are so overwhelmed when they enter the presence of God that uh, this world is, uh, is, is a dim memory. Now, that said, there's a very interesting uh, passage in Luke chapter 16. And let me just answer this by saying, I don't know. <laughs> wow, Dad. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little insight because we don't have anything in the text that says that they look down on us. And of course, we hear language like that. Sure. And people say things like that. Oh, he's looking down from heaven. And there's a, a nice romance hallmark. Is thing. heaven even above us? Like, is that even? A, I mean, I know there's some Psalms about. Mm-hmm. I, I he do looks think they're down yeah, and yeah, we're I do so think small. <laughs> metaphorically, sure, worship is always vertical. okay. Yeah, but I, I do think heaven is an eternality, quote above the cosmos. Okay, the the, the globe. Revelation speaks of heaven coming down, and so sure. I don't think it's simply metaphor. Okay, but Luke sixteen is a very interesting passage, and um, we have to remember this is a parable. This is not, you know, Jesus teaching something as a how do I want to say this? It's not Christ teaching something like as a dialogue to say, okay, that's precisely what's going on. Parables are teaching spiritual lessons and theology, but we have to hold intention. This isn't a literal story. Sure, He's teaching by parable. And this is in chapter 16 of Luke, beginning in verse 19 about the rich man and Lazarus. There was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple, fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man, so we've got the contrast, named Lazarus, who was laid at the gate covered in sores and longing to be fed by the crumbs falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. So Jesus gives this juxtaposition, a guy who had everything, and he's got, you know, he's rich, he's royal, purple is royalty compared to a man who's destitute. Now the poor man died, was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Interesting distinction right away. Poor man's carried away, rich man's put in the ground. In Hades, he, meaning the rich man, lifted up his eyes, being in torment, saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may Dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. Abraham said, Child, remember during your life you received good things, likewise Lazarus bad. Now he is being comforted here. You are in agony. 
Besides all of this, between us and you, there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and none may cross over from there to us. He said, I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers in order they may warn them. They will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So obviously he's talking about himself there, that I'm going to be resurrected and people are going to still be unrepentant and not believe. Now, back up. So when people die, we have this interesting parable of Lazarus and Abraham. The rich man is able to see Lazarus. So this great chasm fix is a wonderful thing. I've preached sermons on this phrase, what it means. It's parabolic, don't forget. But Jesus is explaining a story for us to comprehend. There is some way they see one another. And those who are in agony, think about the agony if looking at those who are in comfort and you're being tormented forever. That's a chilling prospect. So we have that insight. Now people say, well, see, they can see you know, that way. Well, I don't think it's fair to take that completely out of context and say, okay, people are looking down. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 and 12 are often appealed to as this great cloud. Let me go there and read it so I don't misquote it. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 1, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, chapter 11 was this hall of faith. All these people who died in, you know, in faith. Abraham, of course, leads the list, and you've got all these different stories of people, of Jacob and Esau. We've got Joseph. We've got Moses many times mentioned. We've got Rahab the harlot who died in faith, all these people. And then we have the culmination in chapter 12, verse 1. Since all these people surround us, so people will say, oh, see, they can look down on us. I don't think that's what that text is saying. The text is saying for people alive on planet Earth, look up and see all the witnesses in our past. I don't think it's wrong or heretical to say they're looking at us. I just don't think that's what the passage is referencing. And I've read some respected authors who disagree. They go, no, see, they're, they're looking at us. They're witnesses. No, we have a cloud of witnesses. It doesn't say they're looking at us. So that, those are the two passages that I would appeal to and, and say, you know, I just don't think we can know. I don't think the scripture tells us if it gives us a comfort to say my father's looking down on us. And, you know, I, I don't know what to say. I, I want to be kind and not discompassionate. I just don't think we have anything in the Bible that's clear to say they're looking down on us. We do have references about angels. They experience joy. In fact, that's a text that needs careful attention to because it says joy in heaven. It doesn't say the angels rejoice. It says there's joy in heaven when a person turns to Christ. So summarily, can't be dogmatic. They may well be able to see certain things, but I don't think they're consumed with the daily operations of earth. They're in the presence of Jesus Christ, his eternal home in heaven, the eternal future kingdom, and the things of the earth will be dim compared to that reality. Wow. 
Well, if you have a biblical or theological question, call us, text us, 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. Ask Dr. E is part of our ministry at Michael Easley in Context. This show is produced by myself, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonamorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain.